Our second message this afternoon is from Pastor Steve Andrews. It is entitled, The Works of God. Uh, greetings, brethren. My title up there, I told someone this is an abbreviated one. Um, if we did the works of God incomplete, it would take us an eternity, wouldn't it? I'm going to start out in a seemingly not connected, but I think it is. In Isaiah, the 45th chapter, beginning in, in verse 9, Woe unto him that striveth with this master, this maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds. In other words, the broken clays, to strive with the broken clays. Of the earth, shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What maketh thou, or what thy work? Hath not hands, no hands? Woe unto him that says unto his father, What begettest you, or the mother? Why have you brought forth? This is the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, as his maker asked me. Of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, command you me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. In verse 18, let's skip over to verse 18. For thus says the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be habited or inhabited. I am the Lord. There is none else. From the very creation to the very life we live to the very everything that we see and everything that, that is available to us except for the things that man has made, and yet man could not make one thing without God having provided the raw materials for those things to be made. They are the work or works of God. And by the way, the works continue on. God created the heavens and the earth. We see that in Genesis, the first chapter. Where I'm going with this today is I want to I want to look at those things, and they may be a little differently than we look at them, um, have looked at them in the past. Hopefully, some of the scriptures that I'm using today will be a little different uh, than some of them. Will be very very familiar because uh, to, to bring out God's creation, God's work that He does, you go over the same ones that He's done in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. Of course, there's uh, controversy as to uh, how that fits in. What's the timeline? I've always felt, and I, I still do, that at one time, God created all the universe, and then something happened. Verse 2. I don't want to go right back to that. I want to, I want to uh, skip to 2, verse 4. We're going to come back to these. We're going to come back and look at these. This, these are the generations of the heavens of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth, the earth and the heavens. So they are enumerated in these first pages of God's word. In 2 Kings, just setting some groundwork here, 2 Kings 19, for God's work, the works of God. 2 Kings 19, verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord God and, and said, O Lord of Israel, which dwells between the cherubim, you are 
the God, even you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. And then to Psalm 136. Everyone is very familiar with these, these verses. I wanted to just put a, a, a little groundwork here in the works of God. Psalm 136, I'll probably read it on the board, maybe. This is a very interesting psalm. The psalmist decided that the mercy of God endures forever. And he wanted that to be enumerated over and over again. In verse 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Interesting, interesting thought as tying this in to the works of God, to the creation. Oh, give thanks unto God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Verse 3, oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him alone who doeth great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To them, to him that made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule the day, for his mercy endures forever. And the moon and the stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. And of course you can read the rest of those as he goes into the history of Israel and different things. But the point was is that he enumerates this idea that God's mercy endures forever in his creation, in his relationships with his creation. His mercy is always there. And we can count on that mercy. We can count on our creator's mercy and love as we heard in the first message. As we go now, let's go back to Genesis. And let's look at God's creation as he creates this place that we live in, this habitation where he made it habitable for man. And let's think about it as we walk through all of these various things as he creates this beautiful world that we live on. Man is commanded to take care of it and to dress it and keep it. And that's what we are here to do. Beginning in verse 1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was up on the face of the earth. The Spirit of God moved along the face of the waters. For those who maybe are not familiar, because it does say in the Bible that he made the universe and everything perfect, that there was war in heaven, there was a battle, Satan was tossed back to earth, and maybe these, this um, um, suffered damage and the universe suffered damage, but God came back and he looked at this beautiful place that he created and he wanted to put man here. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. God said to let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry, dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called it the seas, and God saw that it was good. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, those seed whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. 
Focus on after its kind. And the seeds after its kind. That's amazing, isn't it? Those seeds, if they're not hybrid, if they're heirloom seeds, if they're original seeds, you can put that seed in the ground and it will produce fruit. You can take that seed off of that fruit, put it back in the ground, it will produce the same fruit year after year after year after year. God's creation of the seed after its kind. Now we've messed with that a little bit and uh, we've taken seeds and put patents on them and made them to the point where they won't reproduce that way. But those heirloom seeds that are still in that way, those reproduce because God created it that way. Now, I always ask, how did seeds evolve? What came first, the plant or the seed? And how did they evolve? They didn't crawl out of the sea, which is what they, they get you to think. These animals, these hybrid things crawled out of the sea, and so they became a part of this tree of, of life. Well, seeds, grass, fruit trees, all of that, how did those come about? Well, God created them. Earth brought forth grass, herb yielding seed after his kind, a tree yielding fruit whose seed was of its kind, after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days of the year. And so we have the Moad. We have the seasons that God created from the beginning so that he could have holy days. Holy days, Moads. That's uh, 4150 for seasons. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And to rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that has life and the fowl that fly above the earth in the, uh, in the open firmament of the heaven. And by the way, if there wasn't something for these animals to eat, what would happen? <laughs> they would die, of course. Uh, they would, if, the, if, if, they were pre, uh, if they came into existence, come up out of there, and there was nothing there, they would die. So God planned and put all these things on the earth, had them all ready so that when he, he created the... the um, things in the sea and the birds in the, the fly, they were all ready to have food and to have something to, to, uh, for their life. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas. Let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. God said, Let the earth bring forth a living creature after his kind, cattle, creeping things, and beasts of the earth after his kind and it was so and God made the beast of the earth after his kind cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and God said it was good and they do if man doesn't mess with them they reproduce after their kind and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Oh, what? It? They? Thems? Z's? Eyes? No, wait a minute. Oh, I read it, ready. Male and female. Created he them. It's still that way. It hasn't changed since God created them. Male and female. I am so confused in today's society. I grew up a long time ago. And I used to think that I knew everything. And I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> God created them. Male and female. And yes, 
there are occasionally those that are born with essentially both sexes, but it's very, very rare. And um, it's not the intent that God had for what we're seeing today in our society. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and every living thing that moves up on the earth. And so God also created the family and children and marriage and all of those things that go together to make the earth filled. God rules over that. It's part of the work that he is doing. When mankind begins to mess with it, I think that's when we, we start seeing some problems in the society we live in. We are God's creation, and he's put it in his word and showed us how to live and how, and how he actually made us and why we're here on this earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the earth, the face of the, all the earth and every tree in which is fruit of the tree yielding seed to you it shall be for me. And to every beast of the, uh, of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth on the earth wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for me and it was so. God said everything that he had made and behold it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. It's interesting that God created a wonderful and beautiful day by resting. Chapter 2. The heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Imagine the work that he did and the beauty that he, cre beauty that he created. And, and thinking about the need that man has for rest, for a time in which he can uh, cease from his from his work. So on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he has made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it, he rested from all his work which God created and made. So this beautiful day, the seventh day of the week, is part of God's creation. By resting on it, he created it, he sanctified it. He set it apart for you and I, and for all of mankind. Lest we forget, there's an ongoing work also. In John, the sixth chapter, John 6, beginning in verse 28. They said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? They were asking. Jesus answered unto them and said, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. And so part of the work of God is that we believe that Jesus Christ was sent to this earth. And as we heard from the first message, that he loves us, that he, that, that he uh, gave his life for you and I was part of the work of God and Jesus Christ and it's part of the work that they're doing to bring us into the kingdom of God. It's not all that I'm talking about today, but it's a part of it. The purposes of God, the reasons he's doing it are part of the work that he is doing on this earth. So the next section is called the purposes of God for mankind, in mankind, what he is doing with mankind. In Job, the 14th chapter, like I said, I was trying to find, a, uh, there are very, very many scriptures that tie in to this very subject right here that, I, that I'm bringing out today. And I'm just bringing a very small amount of them, uh, the, the, the large subject matter that's available for anyone that wants to study it, anyone who wants to look into it and really grasp the work that God is doing. And it's a wonderful work. And he continues, and it's not... I think that he's also working for the future, for mankind. Things that we don't even know 
Things that will be so fantastic that we won't even, we'll just, <laughs> we'll marvel. Our minds are very wonderful and very powerful, but he is far greater, far older. In Job, the 14th chapter, just verse 5, Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with you. You have appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Um, I think that's the one I learned. Well, I wrote it down, but I'm not sure that's exactly what I wanted. Uh, it might be. Oh, yes. Well, not really. But if a man dies, shall he live? Verse 14 and 15. All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. You shall call and I will answer you. You will have the desire of the work of your hands. That's probably the one that I wanted, but I'm not sure. Um, and then Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs, the 16th chapter. As I said, there was a, a lot of the ones to, to go through. In verse 4, The Lord has made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. That's, that's, a, that's kind of a profound scripture, isn't it? The Lord has made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked, for the day of evil. We kind of look at the things that are happening in the world, and we, we look at the things that are happening in, uh, in society, even in our own community, in our own town, and we kind of wonder why, and why, what's going on? What's happening? Why are people turned off, losing their minds, doing things that, we wouldn't even think about doing. And it seems like there is a devil, demons, and wickedness that prevails in this earth right now at this time. Judgment will come. They will be judged. Hopefully we will be a part of that judgment. We will be able to help with that judgment. Acts 17. Even that is part of the purpose God has set forth. Acts 17, beginning in verse 26. Make sure I got the right one. And is made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one. He has a distinct purpose for every one. And he's there, and he's waiting for people to seek him. And as we preach and teach and that message goes out, we also pray that there will be some that will hear, that will be called to this truth, to this way of life. Because it is profound of what God is doing. His purpose are eternal and immutable. And we know that. And the scriptures confirm that. In Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. I better find Ecclesiastes first, haven't I? Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 14. I know that whatsoever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God does it that men should fear before him. That men should fear before him. What, what is it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. Those are things that you and I have accepted because we understand. We, we understand and we accept the scriptures. We understand and we accept what God has written in his word. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, Jesus has some profound words. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31. 
When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all, all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all the nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, and goats on the left hand. And then shall the king say unto them that are on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So one of the works that is in process at this very time is that looking for those sheep and the separation that will come and the goodness of God. And of course you can go on and read the rest of that and what he says about that. In Ephesians, the third chapter, Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which was from the, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. He has revealed it in his word, brethren, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, to whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. And so one of those immutable purposes is in Christ Jesus. And so he says, and I don't know if I, I put this one down. Yes. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. We really don't have the kind of tribulations that Paul had. He was beat. He was destitute. There were so many things that happened to him. And we just, uh, we're just thankful that God has opened our hearts and our minds to see the truth in this word. I, um, I didn't give this to, to Brian. I, I took the one out in Habakkuk and put in this one in Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. Um, this next one, men are instruments of God's purpose. I picked Jeremiah the 18th chapter after I looked a little bit more and was thinking about this. Jeremiah 18. I don't know if Brian will be able to get to it or not. Uh, one way or the other, I, I, have the, I have it here. The beginning of verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. For any of you who have, and I mentioned this last time that I read this because I think it's very, very interesting, any of you that have been uh, to Eureka Springs and to the Passion Play there, they do have uh, several little things that are going on at that particular facility. And one of them is a potter who talks about this very thing. And he will be working in the clay, and, and then sometimes he'll actually smash it back down and bring it back up. And he is got he he preaches beautifully with this clay that he's he's molding and shaping and bringing into a, a beautiful vessel while he is talking about the word of God. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it a, a, again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Clay is very easily malleable. Um, and when you're using one of those wheels, you can mold it and shape it and form it and do all kinds of things with the clay and make beautiful things. Although I don't think that I would probably be very good at making beautiful things, but you can do that you get skilled enough at it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, 
O house of Israel, can I not do this with you as this potter? Said the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And I might say the same thing about you and I, because we're his children, and he works with us. As the mal- And I hope we're malleable as clay, that we might grow in the same way, that we are flexible in his way, in his word, in his truth, that we might grow in that way. There's, of course, more words there, but I want to go now. Men, um, individuals are elected. Let's look at Elijah. This one's always amazing. Elijah was so scared, so afraid, and yet God never left him. Beginning in verse, and I'm not going to go through the whole story, um, Know that he was afraid because they said they were going to kill him, and he thought he was the only one left. Beginning in verse 9. And he came there into the cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What do you there, Elijah? And he says, I've been very jealous of the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down your altars, and slain your prophets with the sword, and I... I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, broken pieces and rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so that Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering, entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What do you hear, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, slain your prophets, with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you come, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shall you anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Mehola shall you anoint to be prophet in your room. And uh, by the way, we've got, we've got an Elijah and we have an Elisha in our family now. <laughs> Eli is sitting back there, I think. <laughs> and it came to pass that he escaped the sword of Hazael and shall uh, Jehu slay and him that Escapes from the sword of Jehu, shall Elisha say, And I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees of which have not bowed unto Baal or to Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. Sometimes we don't know what God is doing, do we? We don't perceive the work that he's doing around the world. We don't perceive the lives that he's changing in many places. Imagine those that are being persecuted in different parts of the world, and yet they're standing for what they understand and what they believe, and not giving in, even though they they are threatened with death, or torture. They're being persecuted. There's so many who are standing up and losing their life because they believe that they are not going to, to give up and what they understand. Even though they might not understand the truth completely and fully, we don't know what God feels about that. And we're not going to judge. But I know when the time comes, if we have to make that same decision, are we going to be as strong as they are? Are we going to be able to stand up and say, 
I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am not going to recant or give that up. And there are others in this world who believe the same thing, and they are not going to give it up. So, Elijah departed thence, found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12, 12, ox, 12 yoke of oxen before him. Can you imagine 12 yoke of oxen? And he was being able to handle that many oxen. And he was, and he was the uh, twelfth. The and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray you, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned back from him and took up the yoke of oxen, slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, gave them unto the people that they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. And so it became that they were uh, a powerful, very powerful uh, prophets in that particular time. In Jeremiah, a very young man, wasn't sure about God's calling. Sometimes we are not sure about our calling, are we? We have some doubts as we live in this society, as we live in this life. We've got to believe that God loves us so much that we're able to make it into the kingdom no matter what the situation is. And so God is calling Elijah. He said, before I formed you, God says, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sancti uh, sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I can't speak, for I am a child. The Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for you shall go to all that I shall send you, and whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. Now, I, now Jeremiah didn't know what the situation was going to be in his life, because he was going to suffer tremendous persecution a lot of things that are going to happen to, to, to Jeremiah as he was very much hated because of what he was preaching. But God was with him. God was behind him. God was strong. He said, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, said the Lord. The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, and to build, and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what see you? And I said, I see the rod of an almond tree. And it goes on. And it's a powerful message in the book of Jeremiah as he went out. And he preached against those that definitely did not want to hear what he had to say. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, Matthew 13, beginning verse 10. The disciples came and said unto him, Why speak you to them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but unto them it's not given. It is interesting that when God finally does open our minds about certain things in the Bible, it seems like it's so simple. <laughs> and yet you talk to somebody that, that really is, has nothing to do with the Bible or is even somewhat atheistic, it's foolishness to them. It's foolishness. And yet God has given us this beautiful understanding of God's word. For whosoever has to him shall be given, and he, sh and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not from him shall be taken away, even that he has. Therefore, therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. Seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart 
and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and hear those things which you hear and have heard them. And we are truly blessed because we have all of the Word of God. And at home we can open our Bibles and study it. We don't have to go to a synagogue to have it read to us. We can read it. We can understand it. God, pray to God uh, for deeper and, and stronger understanding of it. We, we can be filled with God's Word and understand it. The parable of the sower of the seed is one of the most interesting ones and kind of gives us an, a very deep understanding of why some hear and don't come, others hear and, and they stay a while and then they, they leave. There's some, some valuable understanding in this parable that Jesus gives. Hear you the parable of the sower. When one hears the word of the kingdom, understands it not, then comes the wicked one, and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is we which receive the seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places is the same that hears the word, and anon with joy receives it, and yet has not root in himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. And he also that received the seed among the thorns is he that hears the word. The cares of this world, the seedfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. I think that's a lot. And at verse 22, there's a lot that, that happened. Um, because there was a lot of truth that was preached to many, many people. And because of the of deceitfulness of riches and deceitfulness that comes from, from even the words of men, the, the truth is choked out and they become unfruitful. Here's what we all want to be. And this is what we all, for the right rest of our life, want to do. He that has received the seed into good ground, it's fertile. It's the perfect place to grow in truth and to bear much fruit. Of course, that's the fruit of the Spirit, that love, the joy, the peace, and all those fruits. To bear much fruit. He that hears the word, understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundred, sixty, and thirtyfold. We should be shooting for the hundredfold, but maybe sixty, thirty, what God is working in our life. I wrote down. What has kept us in good ground? Isn't it the Word of God and God in our life? God with us, God taking care of us. Be thankful. Be thankful to God for the truth that you have, for the good ground that you're planted in. And ask God to, to help you to bear more fruit and to be more fruitful. We're also, one of the purposes of God and the work that He's doing as we are elected to be holy. We're elected to holiness. John, the 15th chapter. John 15, verse 16, just one verse here. He says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We all understand that calling, don't we? We all understand that Christ has come into our life. And that capability of bearing fruit comes from the God's Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And he is, he is there, he is with us, he's taking care of us. In Ephesians, the first chapter, Appreciate Mark's message. It very well with with this one and the last part of it, especially Ephesians, the um, first chapter, 
beginning in verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Sometimes I read that and I think, uh, sometimes I don't feel holy. Sometimes my sins are more than I... But he loves us so much. He has predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It's not that he overlooks it. It's the blood of Jesus Christ and asking forgiveness and being repentant and desiring the kingdom of God. All of those things go together. It's part of what he's doing in our life. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace which wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace his grace never fails his grace endures forever wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence how far I wanted to go with this one 14. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will through his holy days. I wrote that in there. I wrote that in my book a long time ago. The mystery of his will is revealed in his holy days, isn't it? Revealed the plan of God in the, in the holy days. And especially reveals the plan of God through Jesus Christ. According to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. So he has a purpose. He has a reason. He has a direction. He has the power to bring us into the kingdom. That in the dispensation and the fullness of time, he may gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him that works all things after the counsel of his own will. He is determined that we will be, that there will be those sons in the kingdom. And if we are willing and we desire it, we'll be in that kingdom. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also you have, that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you were sealed today, that you're sealed with that Holy Spirit, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory? It's interesting that we have that little down payment of our inheritance dwells within us because it's the Holy Spirit that without it, we would not have that, that, that hope, but with it, we have that hope. I wrote down here I, I, kind of an interest. I, I kind of misplaced my other Bible. I, somebody finds mine laying around somewhere. But I, I, I put some interesting notes in this one. So I thought this was interesting. I said, down payment of our inheritance. And I said, God's buying our ugly house to give us a new house. Which is what it is. It's, this is going to die, and he's going to give us a new house. And he's purchased that with blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. Over in chapter 2, just one verse, for we are his workmanship. Okay. Created Christ Jesus unto good works. Here it is. Yes, um, we do receive that uh, blessing uh, of grace but we also have good works that have to be done which God has before ordained that we should walk in them and you read that again for we are his workmanship he's constantly working with each individual we understand that created in Christ Jesus because he's the He's the, the form, the example, the one that, we, that, that uh, God looks at. Um, 
we're, we're to come to the stature and fullness of Jesus Christ unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them keeping his way and not forgetting that way in 2 Thessalonians the second chapter In 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, beginning in verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the, of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our, Jesus, of the Lord, Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the tradition which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. I'm going to read the rest of that. I think that I didn't have it all. Yeah, I didn't have it all right down to the bottom. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in good word and works. Good work. Good word and work. It's interesting what he was saying here. We have this good news that Paul preached. It was written down. He was bringing the gospel message to those various places that he went to. And he wrote it down. And so it's constantly and continually bringing those that are being called into that gospel message through the word that he gave. I love Paul's messages. I read them and I see it. He may have not been much of stature, but he must have been some preacher. I mean, he had people staying up all night and falling off the, off the wall because they fell asleep. And he was just preaching away. I imagine he had some powerful words to bring to the people. And I look at and I read these words and I see it. And I know that he was powerful in what he was preaching and teaching. You know, men and women have free will. I was going to put mankind or men. But God has opened the door for all men, women. And we're free to choose. One of the most interesting things that was said by Moses was given at the end of his ministry and when he was about ready to pass and die and God wasn't going to let him into the promised land. And he made this wonderful, wonderful pleading to, to Israel. And it's a pleading to us too. And I think, in a way, it's also a pleading of eternal life. Yet they didn't see it as that. I know they didn't, because all of the trials and tribulations that, the, that Israel went through, and of course God became very angry with them and took them out of the promised land and scattered them around, and then they brought a remnant back uh, uh, of, the, of the tribe of Judah. But Moses, reaching out, to those that he had brought to that point. He said, See, I've set before you this day life and good, death and evil. Chapter 15, uh, verse 15 of chapter 30 of Deuteronomy. And I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you mayest live and multiply and the Lord your God shall bless you in the land where you goest to possess it. But in your heart turn away, so but if your heart turn away so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land where you passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. I mean, those, that word right there, therefore, choose life, brethren. 
the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, that both you and your seed may live. Pass it on. As you get older, pass it on. Pass the truth on. That you mayest love the Lord your God, that you mayest obey His voice, that you mayest cleave unto Him, for He is your life and the length of your days, that you mayest dwell in the land which the Lord uh, swore unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you. And for us today, to live in that beautiful, unbelievable place called heavenly Jerusalem. That's our hope. We will pass over Jordan because we're going to die. But we will pass into the kingdom of God and dwell in one of the most beautiful and most wonderful places that even words cannot probably articulate very well. Mankind may be saved if they will. Let's go back to Jeremiah, the 26th chapter, for a couple of verses. I'll be finishing up here in just a minute. Jeremiah 26, 2 and 3. Thus said the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak unto the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I have commanded you to speak unto them. And diminish not a word, if so be they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way, that I, that I may repent me of the evil which I purpose to do unto them, because of the evil of their doing. God can be changed. He can come into your life. He can... He can help you to overcome the sinfulness or whatever. And he reaches out to mankind. He was always reaching out to Israel. And today he's reaching out to us on an individual basis. Acts 2.21. Actually, I'm going to skip that one. Let's go to Romans 10, since I'm getting pretty close to the longer than my message I wanted to go. Let's go to Romans the 10th chapter, and read a few verses here. Beginning of verse 11. For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever call, shall call upon him, the name of the Lord shall... For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says, Then how shall we call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall we believe in him in whom we have not heard? And how shall we hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So then faith, verse 17, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then one last real quick one here. Romans, I mean 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. 19 through 21. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are his. And everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth and some of honor and some of dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. One last, very quick. I'm going to skip the one on John. We've already read that one. I'm going to go to 1 John 3 because I want, I want you to understand also that he loves us so much. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that she, we should be called the sons of God. 
Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he, sh that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him for as he is. And every man that has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. So understand that God is constantly at work in each and every one of our lives.